This evening, I invite you to turn with me, please, in the Word of God to the book of Acts, chapter 1, in verse number 8. And now that our audience has joined us on the Internet as well, and we find our place here at our text, I tell you this evening, I have been so much looking forward to being with you. Uh, I, I was thrilled when I heard of uh, your dear pastor and his wife coming to this area, excited for them, as the preacher shared with you, uh, they being such dear friends of ours, and just thrilled that the Lord had opened this door for their labors. And yet, uh, knowing them as we do, uh, I started feeling excitement for you. Uh, the Lord has blessed you. And I, I look forward to hearing of what uh, God does in this place uh, in the years to come. I'm thrilled seeing the different facets of your ministry, uh, hearing of the emphasis that you put on the youth. I, I was a bus kid. And that's how I started going to church. I tell people I was one of those kids running all over the church. Now God's let me run all over the world. But I, I appreciate uh, your labors and, and, and your uh, burden. Thank you, preacher, uh, for this great honor. Thank you for being uh, so kind to me. With our Bibles open to Acts chapter number 1, I invite you to stand together with me if you are able Standing together, shall we? I'll begin reading in verse number 7. Understanding that the Lord had led his disciples to this place from whence he would depart from them and ascend back into heaven. The disciples asking, Wilt thou at this time Restore the kingdom. May I say to you, I don't blame them in the slightest measure for their inquiry. Wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom? They had seen their Lord betrayed. He had been crucified. He left behind an empty tomb. I think I would have been in a kingdom-building mood myself. But the Lord said, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, again, we ask Your blessings upon these moments. I rejoice. I rejoice in Your goodness to my dear friend who's now the pastor of this great church. I rejoice with them that they have such a man and his wife laboring at his side. Lord, stir our hearts with expectancy that we might dare to look beyond this place anticipating the years that are yet to come. But this night, 
allow us to leave saying one to another that we've heard from heaven. Cause us to feel your smile resting upon us, we pray. For it's in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. Before we read of any business meeting being held during which the church discussed their budget for the following year, we understand that to the church was entrusted this mandate, which we call the Great Commission. Before we read of any building campaign, any ornate facility, auditorium, we read of the church being sent forth into all the world, going to India and other similar countries, we have to be very careful when we explain to someone why we are there. Sometimes a curious soul will confront us shortly upon our arrival and ask, thinking that maybe since he's from America, maybe a businessman, computer technology or something, something important. So they'll ask me, uh, you are here uh, on business. And I just look at them and smile and I say, big business. My friend, don't you ever forget this big business that's been entrusted to the church. I meet some interesting characters on airplanes when I travel. Sat beside one gentleman who introduced himself saying that he was a reporter. He'd been to this country and that country. He said, I've been to both North Pole and the South Pole. I said, what a coincidence. I said, I'm a reporter myself. He said, you are. I said, I am. I said, I'm a preacher. And God's left me here to give report of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, that's old news. I said, it's still the best news. I said, and i got a newsflash for you too. He's coming back again soon. My friend, don't you ever forget this mandate given to the church, this biggest business in which we are involved. And think first tonight, as we look upon this familiar passage Think first of our door to the world. He said, you shall be witnesses. You shall receive power. You shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Think of our door to the world. He said both. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Edomus. The word both, it means all at once and at the same time. Some are busy trying to reach, at least they say, their own Jerusalem that surrounds them. 
And they say, at least they say, if we can ever reach our Jerusalem, we'll think about the rest of the world. They don't understand the Great Commission at all. Both in Jerusalem, all at once, and at the same time, while you're reaching Jerusalem, reaching out to everywhere else. Cross the streets, but at the same time, cross the seas. Think of our Lord to the world. This was the challenge given to the disciples in that day. But I ask you, in this day, has there ever been a generation from that time till now that has had the opportunity that you and I have today? Think of our door to the world. Whenever was there a day when the church at the same time, all at once, in the same instance, crossing the street, could also cross the sea. Whenever has there been a moment like this moment? Think of our door to the world with the advent of the cell phone, the smartphone, our dumb phone. I remember when I had my first one, I was with my father as he was waiting to see the doctor on one occasion. We were sitting there in the waiting room, and I'm looking at my smartphone, and he was wondering what it was that had me caught in such rapt attention. He asked me, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm spying on Russia. He said, you're doing what? I said, I'm spying on Russia. He said, let me see that. And he looked at my phone, and I pointed to the screen, and I said, there's the Kremlin. There's Red Square. Do you understand, dear friend, that it wasn't many years ago that you would have to have some very high-tech satellites for pictures like that that we now hold in the palm of our hand? Whenever has there been such a day like this day, like this generation, I think about these satellites that are being launched into orbit that are literally circling our globe with this intent to provide the Internet for all of humanity. And I say to you, dear friend, they are opening doors for us to enter where our feet can never step. Whenever's there been a day like this day when we could all at once, and at the same time. Elon Musk has some pretty crazy ideas. If you read much of what he's planning, some of his ideas are downright scary. But I'm grateful that he's opening the doors to places where I personally can never go. Whenever has there been a day like this day, when we could all at once, and at this, our door to the world. One day when I traveled to the Philippine Islands, I cashed in some of those frequent flyer miles so that I could take the trip, no expense to me. The only problem was, is the airlines got to choose 
my flights. I'll never forget when I left the cold city on the island of Negros and flew to Manila, the island of Luzon, leaving from there, arriving in Incheon, Korea. May I say to you, dear friend, I still believe that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. I don't live in Incheon, South Korea. But from there, we went to Nagoya, Japan. And from Nagoya, Japan to Los Angeles, California. From Los Angeles, California to Detroit, Michigan. And finally, from Detroit, Michigan to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I thought they did that on purpose. But soon I was rejoicing, thinking to myself, whenever was there a day like this day, when we could just skip across the seas, stepping from one continent to the next continent, the Lord said to them, all at once, and at the same time, think of our door to the world but then think about the world at our door. Pentecost became a missions conference. By the way, when I pastored, we had revivals and we had missions conferences, but may I say to you, that our missions conferences need to be a whole lot more like our revivals. And if we ever do have revival, it will become a missions conference. The nations were drawn to Jerusalem on that day as Pentecost was observed. Think about the world at their door, but... Has there ever been a time, ever been such a nation? And I'm not confusing America with Israel, but I ask this concerning our blessings that we have known in this generation. Has there ever been a day when so many nations have been drawn to the front door? And it's no truer, my friend, anywhere else in America than it is right here. God's brought the world to your door. But you can leave the big cities, even go out to the rural countryside and see that it's still true. My wife and I, we were visiting this one particular metropolis. I describe it as such with tongue in cheek. We walked through that metropolis and counted the nationalities of the people who worked in the shops. We counted eight different nations, just the shopkeepers alone, not talking with the customers. You say, yeah, you were probably in a big... No, we were in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Go where you will, my friend, and you'll be reminded, God has brought... The world to our door. I'm originally from the state of South Carolina. Nikki Haley, who served as the governor of our state, is removed from her home country by only one generation. Her parents came from India. 
most of her family still claims to be Sikh by religion. She professes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. But I think to myself, how long will it be before someone who once lived across the seas, who now lives just across the street, before someone who was another nation, who is now our neighbor, how long will it be before they hear that blessed name of Jesus Christ from our lips? I tell you, God has brought the world to our door. My family is from a little town in South Carolina called North. North, South Carolina. When I'm not traveling the roads here at home or in another country abroad, I get to enjoy a house for a little while in North South Carolina, a house that's located on Westview Drive in North South Carolina. And I kid you not, it is on the east end of Westview Drive in North South Carolina. North South Carolina, that's not in the northern part of the state, it's in the southern part of the state, but it's called North South Carolina. And you think to yourself, what's all that silliness about? In North South Carolina, there's only one stoplight, and I'm not sure why. There's three gas stations, and we can barely keep one in business. Of those three gas stations in North South Carolina, two of the gas stations are owned by... Indian families. God's brought the world to our door. But if I can say that in North South Carolina, think of the opportunity that is yours here. God's brought the world to our door. Might we ask of the Lord that He would give us the opportunity to share Christ with someone who has crossed the seas and now lives just right across the street. But when you find them at your door, how will you respond? Gandhi, the great leader of India, was a Hindu, and he died a Hindu. But it seemed as though he approached so near unto the door of salvation. Gandhi one day told the gentleman who helped to organize his biggest meetings, he said, I want you to sing that Christian song that I love so much, that favorite hymn of mine. And the man looked at him in utter surprise. After all, I remind you, Gandhi was a Hindu. Gandhi said to him, the hymn that says, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss Poor contempt on all my pride. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow me? 
of thorns composed so richly. I ask myself, how can a man come so close to the Savior, turn about, and step into an eternity apart from God? How can it be possible? There were several moments in Gandhi's life that so much affected the final decision he would make. When he was a barrister, an attorney in South Africa, one day he decided that he would visit a church that had been established by some of those that were a part of the, uh, the colony. Approaching the church, he was confronted by a man at the door a man who did not have any idea of Gandhi, didn't know who Gandhi was, didn't know why he was there. Gandhi thought to himself, maybe Christ is not only the answer for my own soul, but maybe the answer for all of India. For you see, Gandhi's heart trembled over the fall to the caste system. It broke his heart. He thought to himself, maybe Christ is the answer. I will talk with that preacher of Christ. Not only the answer for me, but for all of India. man met him at the door and looking upon Gandhi's rather dark skin, the man said to Gandhi, your people worship elsewhere. Gandhi walked away saying, If Christianity has its own caste system, then why should I cease to be a Hindu? I don't want to be standing anywhere near under the fellow who greeted Gandhi at the door when we stand before Christ. I don't know. I cannot say. But think of the accountability. Not only because Gandhi came searching, but Gandhi wanted to ask what was the answer for all of India. What will be our answer when we find the world standing at our door? Think of our door to the world, but think about the world at our door. Pentecost became a missions conference. And don't forget about the divine appointments. I still believe in divine appointments. The church was quite familiar with divine appointments. You remember how Philip was laboring in Samaria? And the Lord sent him toward the desert, toward Gaza, There he met the Ethiopian eunuch in a divine appointment. By the way, God had brought the world to their door because the Ethiopian eunuch had been to Jerusalem. Now he's making his return. And the divine appointment takes place. I still believe in divine appointments. I had one just last night. I told my wife today when the preacher sent me the coordinates for my accommodations, I called my wife and I said, tonight I get to stay in a real Hampton Inn. 
Now that calls for some explanation, doesn't it? My wife, she is incredible at finding places for me on the road. My wife not only knows where I'm staying, she's the one that made the arrangements. And she's found some incredible, I, I mean, I, I, some of the deals that she has found is just, just remarkable. So last night, she scheduled me at the Hampton Inn. Last night. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And so I was driving towards the Hampton Inn, and I recognized the sign. But when I started to pull in, I thought to myself, this ain't no Hampton Inn. And, and I, you know, sometimes you think to yourself, you should have read the fine, fine, fine print, those little words down at the bottom that you evidently missed, the words that said we are not affiliated with any other chain. And I'm not that picky. I'm really not. But sometimes my allergies are. And the gentleman, he was so kind. He really was. He took me to one room after the other, and he even told me, he said, tomorrow morning, he said, if you stay, he said, I'll make you some Indian chai myself. I don't know how a fellow could have been any more kind than he was. But I told him, I said, sir, I said, please. I said, my allergies. I, I said, I said I, 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 I'm, I, please understand, if I would have stayed there, I would have been sick tonight. So I told my wife, I said, I get to stay in a real Hampton Inn tonight. <laughs> and of course, she saw the humor really quick, you know. <laughs> but I had given the young man one of my books, Tales from India, Truths from Heaven. I told that Indian gentleman that stood behind the counter, I said, God sent me here for one reason. I said, and that was to give you this book. I said, I'm convinced of that. And by the way, the Indian people, they don't understand providence or divine appointments, but they do believe in fate. I looked at him and said, I was sent here for one reason, to give you this book. I hope you're going to read the book. He said, yes, sir, I'm going to read that book. But I got to stay last night in the real Hampton Inn. <laughs> I mean, tonight. It was last night. You can tell it was quite disturbing for me. I believe in divine appointments. My daughter was flying back to college in California. And would you believe that they sat her right beside an Indian gentleman? A business executive. CEO. Somebody that you'd usually not expect to ever meet outside of a divine appointment. So my daughter is sitting next to this CEO, this Indian gentleman. And my daughters, they will be kind and gracious and respectful. This happened to be Elizabeth on this occasion. But they're ready for the moment. And so when that gentleman introduced himself and said, I'm a executive with the Yahoo platform, with the Yahoo Corporation. My daughter just smiled really big. You see, down south, we got these chocolate drinks called Yoohoo. 
Now, as we traveled around the country, they were quite delighted to find out that they like you who just about everywhere else, too. But when he said, I am a executive with Yahoo, she said, wow, do you get all the free chocolate drink you want? And he said, Yahoo, not you. Computers, not chocolate drink. But don't you be surprised one day in heaven if an Indian gentleman doesn't come up to you and says, Hi, I'm the Yahoo man. (laughs) You just don't know. Think about our door to the world and think about the world at our door. The Lord said all at once and at the same time. First week in August, I'll be preaching again at a tent meeting where I've preached so many times in eastern Pennsylvania. Last year, as we were going towards Easton, as we were going toward where the tent meeting was to be held, my wife said to me, she said, you know, she said, I'd really like some Susie muffins. And I really didn't know much about Susie muffins. And my wife said to me, she said, now, she said, you can only find Susie Muffins, as I understand it, this one particular that I knew of, grocery store. She says, we're about to pass one. And we went to that store, started looking for Susie Muffins. A gentleman offered to help us, but he didn't know about Susie Muffins either. And he worked there. But he looked on his little gadget and he said, they're on aisle such and such and such and such, and then off we went. We walked outside, and there was a young lady that was sitting at the next table near unto us where we were enjoying our ice cream treat. And I noticed that she had a mug that had a missionary emblem on it. said something about taking the gospel. And so we had to introduce ourselves, and I told her how we labored in India, and, and she said, uh-uh. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, we had a delightful time. We went on to the tent meeting. The first night I preached at the tent meeting, after the service, a gentleman walked up to me. He looked me straight in the eyes and said, you don't recognize me, do you? That's really tough when people do that to me, you know. He said, you don't recognize me, do you? I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, I meet so many people. He said, Susie Muffins? I looked again and I could see the face of that man who helped us to find the, the last night of the meetings. That young lady we met outside the grocery store She came to the service. But she didn't come alone. Aren't you glad when visitors aren't content to come by themselves, but the visitors bring visitors? (laughs) So she brought several others with her 
And when she was introducing us, she said of this one young man, he said, she said, she said, he is from Japan and he doesn't speak much English. And soon he will be going back to his country. But he came tonight. When I stepped up to the pulpit, I told the people, I said, this young man doesn't know it yet, but God brought him all the way to the other side of the world just to hear what he's about to hear tonight. What I share with you all. After the service, I walked back there, talked with the young lady again, who quickly interrupted and said, my friend from Japan wants to know what this thing means, what this is that you say, being born again. And during the moments that followed, very carefully and patiently, I was able to share with him how he could be born again into the family of God. And when he went back to his home country, he went back a child of God. And I pray a missionary to his own people. I'm just saying, you don't know. I'm still finding out that the Lord scheduled the divine appointment on my calendar. I like those kind of interruptions. God has brought the world to our door. Think about the divine appointments. Would you dare pray tonight? Lord, burden my heart afresh and anew for the regions beyond. Lord, Help me to be faithful with the opportunity that we have in our day that no other generation before us could have imagined. Lord, help us realize the door we have to the world. But Lord, when I find the world standing at my door, may I be quick to tell them there's somebody you've got to meet. And Lord, would you dare pray this? Lord, give me one of those divine appointments. Yes, where I meet somebody who needs to meet you. But Lord, even somebody that has come from across the seas who now live just right across the street. Lord, give me one of those divine appointments. Would you stand together with me for a moment? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.